our faith and to our testing. And I ask this on behalf of all of us gathered here in this sanctuary and all of us gathered across the multiple places. May your word be pleasing and true. And may it speak in our hearts this morning. And everybody said in both places, Amen. You're welcome to follow along in the Version Bible event with all of the links and all of the parts of, this, of the sermon today as we gather in this place. Today we're looking at the story of Abraham and Isaac in Genesis 22. And what is perhaps the defining moment in his faith and his life. You probably know the story of Abraham's tested faith in taking a knife to his son. And although we may be also be shocked and or encouraged by Abraham and Isaac and what they went through, in the end those reactions should be overshadowed by the great demonstration of God's faithfulness in keeping his promises. Because even more important than the defining moment and what's going on is God's definitive drop down from the sky demonstrated that God will keep God's promises. Amen? And that ultimately, that's what should affect us the most in this story. And we see that in the three times that Abraham says, Here I am in today's text. Everybody here, everybody there, say, Here I am. That was the weakest here I am there ever was. And you're actually here. So when you say here I am, you're actually here. So here we go. One more time. Say, Here I am. Ah, I see everybody's here. That's awesome. I heard you at home too. Came right through the camera. And here's what each here I am says. Here I am, number one, means listening and ready. After these things, verse 1, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Try it again. Here I am. Very good. The text in the story open up with the first here I am. God calls Abraham's name and he responds, listening, available, ready to go. Here I am. This is a hard story. And I don't want to shy away from it because it's hard. And really it's more than hard. It's, It's incomprehensible. It's a little easier for us because we are told in verse 1 that this is a test. And that works for us, but God never told Abraham that this was a test. And there are several bits of background to this story we have to know. We have to remember that God had previously told Abraham something, and Abraham had doubted and made a a backup plan. You see, God told he and Sarah... They would have a child in their old age, even though they had not been able to have children. But Abraham had the child Ishmael with Hagar because he wanted to have an heir. God also told Abraham to go through Egypt and then through the country of King Abimelech. And rather than trust God, Abraham lied to both rulers and said Sarah was his sister and not his wife because he was afraid. And twice, 
God had to intervene to deliver him. And now God was asking an even more impossible thing. Secondly, child sacrifice was not unknown. In fact, it was practiced by some of the surrounding people all the time, as abhorrent as that might feel like to us. It's what their gods demanded, so a child had to die. Abraham could have rationalized his action because others did this. So sure, God asked me. But what was the God of Abraham, but was the God of Abraham like other gods? God had promised Abraham children and blessing. Would God go against his word? And finally, we have to realize that God is not just making an unfeeling demand, but knows and expresses the depth of what the sacrifice would cost a father. In the end, of course, it's God the Father who sacrifices his only son, and Abraham the Father can truly understand what that means some 2,000 years before the cross ever comes. So in verse 2, he said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. You see, we as Christians understand the language of sacrifice used here. It's a familiar language to us. We find it used in the New Testament to describe Jesus' sacrificial death on a cross. We see it in places like Romans 8. If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for all of us. Or John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see, the purpose of this story is not for us to outthink God or judge God or get inside God's head and understand what is going on here. I think that's one of the things being tested in Abraham's faith, maybe in ours at times. Abraham, will you obey God in all things or just the ones you understand? Or If God is good and faithful, will you trust even when you don't understand? I think about young children when our parents are trying to figure out how to get them on their bike and then off their training wheels. That's a big moment. Or when you're teaching them to swim or putting them in the water and trying to get them to dive headfirst into a pool of water, it seems like certain death and they're afraid. But through those earliest moments of trust, it takes trust. Your kids, your grandkids have to trust you. You're not going to let them fall, or at least you'll be there to pick them up if they do. And so either through trust or obedience, we we mostly move forward through those times in life. But I'll offer you this one release valve for the anxiety this passage can produce in us. I don't believe that God will ever ask you to sacrifice your child. This is a once in a history event that functions on levels that were unique to Abraham and God's covenant with Abraham. But I do believe God will ask you to do things that you don't understand. Amen? And I do believe we will face the two tests or temptations of Abraham, which are these. First, to judge and reject God. 
because what we are asked to do is too hard or doesn't make sense. Or two, to make our own backup plan. See, ultimately, this story will teach Abraham and us about the faithfulness, about the goodness of God, and the extent of God's sacrifice and love for the sake of the entire world. And so here I am, number one, was about listening and being ready. Here I am, number two, is called with you. Just say with you. With you. We go to verse 7 and we'll skip back a little bit. But Isaac said to his father, Abraham, father. And he said, here I am, son. Say, here I am. Oh, I almost caught you. Here I am, my son. He said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? What a question to have your child ask you. And so the second time Abraham says, here I am, is not to God, but to his son Isaac. The second here I am teaches us about the nature of companionship. By that I mean togetherness or not being alone. Scripture describes this with various words, companionship, community, covenant. What I want you to hear and see is the story is that neither Abraham nor Isaac were never alone in this trial. God identified with Abraham's challenge as a father, and Abraham fixed his faith on God the Father. Abraham, likewise, was present for and with Isaac, in this test, even though Isaac didn't understand what was totally happening either. But Isaac fixed his faith on his father because he trusted his father in that question. And so to go back in verse 5, then Abraham said to his young man, stay here at the donkey, the boy and I will go over there, we will worship, and then, have you ever caught this? We will come back to you. We will come back to you. I don't think he was just making that up. I think he truly believed something was going to happen. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And so the young men are left behind and Isaac has to actually carry the wood on which he is to be sacrificed. It reminds me of Jesus carrying his own cross to the crucifixion. And Abraham carries the fire and the knife. But it's what comes next that caught my eye. Look right after that at the end of verse 6. At the end of verse 6 it says this, So the two of them walked together. Companionship. Community. Covenant. See, there was a point in which Abraham wielded the knife to circumcise Isaac and bind him to the covenant earlier in his life. This is not the first time that Abraham's taken a knife to his son. And now in the very last moments of this test, the father walks with the son. And Abraham is more than physically present with his son Isaac. And Isaac calls out to his father saying, My father. And for the second time in the longer story, Abraham responds, Here I am. Say, Here I am. 
The first time was to answer God when he called his name. And now when Isaac calls him, he responds, Here I am, my son. In the midst of an impossible trial, the father is still there for his son and with his son. And so one of the ways we live out our faith is that our here I am to God is mirrored in saying here I am to one another. That's one of the foundational purposes of the church, of the gathered community of faith, that we are here to walk life with each other because that's how God walks life with us. Amen? And so we continue to do that even apart We walk life together. Back when I was my first couple of years here, I did a sermon series on my favorite movie, The Way. And the tagline of that movie, The Way, is life is too big to walk it alone. Life is too big to walk it alone. And so just as Jesus named the greatest commandment as love of God and love of neighbor, our listening, our being available and being ready to go as here I am to God, say here I am. And I here I am to each other, say here I am. And the world around us. A here I am to God and a here I am to each other. That we are to be here for each other. And the third here I am is listening attentively. Verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, what? Here I am. He had to call him twice with exclamation points. And the third time Abraham says, here I am, is to the angel of the Lord. And this was the most crucial time of all because everything was on the line. It was the moment of deciding whether to turn away, make up a backup plan, or carry through. Realize the first two is what Abraham has done in every single time he's had tested faith. He's turned away. He's made a backup plan. He's never carried through. And that can be the hardest time to keep listening when you're being tested in your faith. But Abraham neither turned away nor tuned out God this time and remained fully ready, listening and ready to go. He heard the angel of the Lord because he was focused on listening to God more than even what he was doing. And he heard God's faithfulness and provision through the angel and then through the ram in the thicket. Verse 12, he said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son. From me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Again, I don't believe God will ask something that's extreme of you. Because I believe this is functioning as a covenant moment between Abraham and us to learn from. Not to reenact. So even when your kids give you a lot of trouble and you feel like killing them, don't. It's most especially true because in Christ, God accomplished the ultimate sacrifice already. A sacrifice we could neither imagine or perform. It had to be done for us. 
But I do believe that God asks us to do things we don't understand at the time. I believe we choose between making backup plans or turning away or tuning in. And it's the last that is the hardest to do when your faith is being tested. Listening more rather than listening less. Saying even a third time to God, here I am, listening, available, and ready. A friend of mine preached in a sermon a couple weeks ago. He asked his folks to write down how much time they're watching TV about like COVID-19 and everything, how much they're watching the news. And then he asked them to write down like on Facebook and social media, how much are you reading? How much time are you spending reading on doing all of that? And then he asked them to write down how much time are you spending in the Word of God and praying to God in comparison to those two things. And he said, if you're not spending as much time praying and listening to the Word of God as you are watching the news, being on social media, everything else, there's absolutely no way you can possibly hear God speaking. You only hear the noise. And when you're angry and upset and fearful and have anxiety and everything else being driven by all of that, only the Word of God and being in prayer can subside that. So what does God ask? What sort of things might God ask of us if we're listening, available, and ready to go? And what does faithfulness look like? When we're walking through the valley of deep darkness, we respond in faith saying, Here I am, Lord. Say, Here I am. And I trust my good shepherd to walk with me, even in the dark valley. Faith is our choosing to participate in God's promises by acting like the children of the promise He said that we are in Christ. Faith is not clinging to our old and worn out plans for getting through a fear-filled life. Faith is trusting God's promises for salvation and peace and joy and blessing in Christ. Faith is saying, here I am, when Jesus says, follow me. Say, here I am. For we believe we are beloved children whom the Father loves dearly. Amen? That's faith. And finally, don't read Genesis 22 in fear that faith means God will ask the unthinkable of you. In the New Testament, God promises us not to give us more than we can handle in His strength, not just more than we can handle. Read Genesis 22 as good news, even in the face of the unthinkable, that God will not fail. Amen? That God will not fail. That God is faithful and God will keep God's promises to you and to me. God will not fail. And that God has invited us not only to receive these promises, but to participate in them. God will use us to bless and teach others of his faithfulness, as we hear in the last verse. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Our faithful response will remind us and remind those that we meet that God is Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. So here I am. Say here I am one last time. The Lord will provide. Always. Amen.
And as we've been doing the, these last uh, several you know, weeks, months, years, how long has it been, Louise? Is this day? Yeah, someone said to me they forgot it was July. I mean, almost July. So I was like, yeah, I thought it was still March. But during this time, we've been doing Psalm 91 for 91 days, and that 91 days ends on July 12th. So we keep praying it. So let's pray it together, these words, in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, thank you for the rest that comes when I choose to live in your shelter. I declare you alone are my refuge, my place of safety. You are my God. I trust in you. I pray you will protect me and my family from the virus. I pray you will cover me and shelter me. I thank you for your faithful promises that remind you will protect me. Help me not to be afraid of all that I hear and all that I see. Help me not to dread the virus that is terrorizing our world. Lord, many are sick and more are fearful and anxious. I pray protection for me, my family, my church, my community, my city, my state, my country, my continent, and my world. I pray, Lord, as I make you my refuge, that no evil will conquer us nor come near our home. I pray for protection by your angels wherever I go. Lord, I love you. I trust in you. Please rescue and protect me. Thank you for answering when I call. Thank you for being with me in trouble. Thank you for your salvation and the hope of heaven. And everybody said together, Amen. And so our hymn of commitment is a perfect tune, obviously. God will take care of you, no matter what. Always. God will take care of you. It may not be in the ways that you understand. You may have to go out on a limb. And more than likely you will. But that limb is not going to break unless something else is there to catch you. God will take care of you. Let us stand and sing here in the sanctuary. You can stand at home too and sing if you'd like. But let's sing together, humming our way through.
So as we go from here to face the celebrations and challenges of the coming week, remember this. The faithful love of God never ceases. It is inexhaustible. God's mercy and compassion is new every morning. And these things are what keeps us going. The great is your faithfulness, O God. So go into the week ahead with courage and with joy, trusting in God and waiting patiently for God to act. For God is good to all who seek Him, and God's loving presence goes with us always and forever. Amen. So as you leave into this week, and as you go out into the world, do what my mass says to do. Believe in hope. Hope is always. Hope is forever. My friends, stay well. Stay safe. Amen. So just keep six feet. Good to see you, Tom.